Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever the time of day it may be uh, for you at the moment when you're watching this video or wherever you are in the world. Welcome again to another Bible teaching from the Ministry of a Love Outreach. My name is Dave Nelson. And for those of you watching on YouTube or one of the many podcast platforms that we are on, we thank you for joining us today. And please be sure to uh, subscribe or like or follow us, whichever the case may be. Today we are going to go ahead and continue on in our study through the book of Acts. Last week we studied the first 19 verses of Acts chapter 9. And today we will go ahead and make our way on through verse 31 of chapter 9. So please go ahead and open your Bibles up there if you're in a position where you can do so. Acts chapter 9. And since we can never get too much of the Word of God, and, and just to be sure that we understand the proper context of our study for today, I want to go ahead back at the beginning of chapter 9 and just start reading in verse 1 and read on up through the first 19 verses that we pretty much covered last week, and then we'll go on with our verses for today. But speaking of this man Saul whom, of course, we will later come to know of as the Apostle Paul. Verse 1 says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen chosen." vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, 
the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Now, last week when we gathered, we covered the first half of verse 19 there. And we talked about the things that Saul did, some of the things that Saul did immediately following his encounter with Jesus. And I do encourage you to go back and listen to, listen to that teaching as well if you weren't with us. But we see here in the second half of verse 19 that another thing was a priority in the life of Saul after his conversion. And if you hear me slip up and call him Paul, it's the same person, uh, but he's just referred to as at this point in our reading, he's referred to as Saul. But... What Saul also did was to go ahead, we see in verse 19, and, and spend some time with other disciples of Jesus that lived in the city. And you know, this is something that I would really encourage you to make a priority in your life as well. Be sure to fellowship, to hang out with, to just spend time with, as much as you can, other disciples other followers of Jesus. Now, of course, in this world, it's, it's really not something we can do 100% of the time, is it? Because we've got to be in the world, too. We, we go to our workplaces, we go shopping, we do this or that, right? We're always going to be around non-believers, but it's important to make it a priority in your life that you do fellowship with like-minded believers. You know, later, the Apostle Paul, uh, this man Saul, whom, whom we're talking about, uh, would write the books of First and Second Corinthians, and in chapter fifteen of First Corinthians, verses thirty-three and thirty-four, he says, "Do not be deceived." He said, "Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness, and do not sin." You know, you've heard the saying, "Bad company corrupts good morals." That that's that's from the scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness, it says, and do not sin. And the way we do that is by being around like-minded believers, people that are focused on Jesus as well, right? So we need to walk in righteousness and hang out with other people that are going in that same direction. The Bible constantly exhorts us as to uh, the way that we need to walk through this temporary life in which we now live. The Bible instructs us in this, okay? Now, I'd like for you to, since I'm on this topic here, I'd like for you to go ahead and mark this page and find the Old Testament book of Proverbs. I want you to go to Proverbs chapter 4. I'm going to expound a little bit more on what, what I'm talking about here as far as your fellowship, who you're hanging around, how you're living your daily life as a believer in Jesus Christ, okay? So Proverbs chapter 4. Let 
And I'm going to look down and start reading in verse 13. It says, take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her for she is your life. Now, if you're not familiar with the Proverbs, often you find that when it talks about virtues, things like wisdom and prudence and instruction and knowledge and things like that, it's often referred to in the, in the feminine sense of, of she and her. You know, it's just the, 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 the poetry of the writing. It's the way they did it. But the writer here was encouraging his son here. And ultimately, since we have it in our Bibles, it's written to us as well today that we should possess good instruction. Right. That make sure that we were we're around places or we have good things coming into our ears, into our eyes, into our lives. Right. Verse 14 says, do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of of evil. So again, I mentioned to you earlier, right, that the company that we keep matters, right? And Saul, like I said, he's a newborn Christian. And one of the first things we saw him do in verse 19 uh, of Acts chapter 9, where we're studying this morning, was to go ahead and begin to hang around right away with other disciples of Jesus, right? Even though we'll find out that they were very wary of him, to say the least, just like Ananias was. Ananias was like, really, Lord? You want me to go to this guy? This guy's killing all of us. He's killing Christians, you know? So here's Saul. He goes and starts hanging around these disciples, and they're probably like, you know, they can't believe this change in him. But this is the kind of work that the Lord does in people's lives, right? But we are to avoid wicked and steer clear of the way of evil. And verse 15 says, avoid it. Do not travel on it, right? Turn away from it and pass on. So you see, it's extremely important that we walk in the path of righteousness and that we avoid the ways of evil. It is something that we must consciously make an effort to focus on, though. Okay, because the world all around us is screaming very loudly at us to get our attention and to encourage us to walk in the ways of the world. Right? Many forms of media are designed to tell you what to think and how to think. And it's even more in our faces today in what we call social media. Right? Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has something to say. Everybody has a way to try to influence somebody else with what they write or what they post, right? We have print media that's been around forever. We have the radio. We have television. We have the internet news. We have news channels and all that. And it's all vying for your attention, trying to get you to focus on the things of the world. And when we do that, we, we can find that we get discouraged. We get depressed. If we're constantly reading about another rape, another murder, another killing of this sort or that sort, and we're constantly putting these things in our head, then that's what we become. That's what we're feeding on. Okay? So, and the thing is with the media today, whoever controls the narrative controls the world. You know, they put it, they put this out there and people 
look at it and believe it's true. And they say, oh, you know what they say. Oh, you know what they said, right? But what, what, we, what we are to do is our narrative as born-again Christians, as followers of the Lord, is to be based upon the Word of God, the Bible. This is what we build our lives upon. This is where we find truth. This is how we learn to walk in a proper way. This is where we get our instruction. Like it says here in Proverbs, get instruction and hold on to it, right? The ungodly, of, the ungodly people of this world, those not focused on a biblical worldview, are like verse 16 says here. Verse 16 goes on and says, For they do not sleep unless they have done evil. And their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and they drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. So you see, that's the direction that the Lord wants us to be going in. Not the ways of the world, but on that path where we shine for his glory. We stand for truth. We're, we're fixed. We're, 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 holding, we're getting instruction and we're not letting go. And we're getting our instruction, not from this world, not from the media, but from the word of God, right? We've not arrived yet to that perfect day. Okay, we're in a world where we still have tribulation and we still have things going on all around us and this tribulation can affect us as well. It can hit close to home, right? But the day will come when all things will be perfected. But in the meantime, we're instructed on how we should walk. We should walk in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, right? We, remember, we talked about last week how Saul was kicking against the goads, Right? That's what the Lord said to him, Saul. Why are you you're kicking against the goads, right? Fighting, and that he just meant he's fighting against the will of the Lord for his life. Right? And when we fight against his will, it's only us that ends up defeated. We end up blinded to the truth because our focus is on all the wrong things. And verse 19 here in Proverbs goes on and says, The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. In other words, that's at your core. right? Keep them in, the, in, the, in your core being, right? in the midst of your heart. For they are, verse 22 says, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Remember, Jesus said that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the heart is the key issue for us as modern day followers of Jesus Christ. And this world, however, will get us to focus on everything else but our heart, right? It wants us to focus on what we look like in the mirror. It wants, wants us to focus on how we feel emotionally today and all of that kind of stuff. But this is not what the Lord is doing in us. This is not what he wants us to focus on. And we also get more instruction here on verse 24 as to how we, sh in verse 24, I should say, as to how we should live. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. I don't know if you've noticed, 
but this world has become more and more perverse, right? You know, I'll tell you, it used to be before I knew Christ, when I was of this world and in this world and of it, you know, I used to speak with perverse lips back in the day as well. But, you know, it was funny, me and, and my friends as well, we wouldn't do it in restaurants. We wouldn't use that foul language while we're sitting at a restaurant table with other people around. And we also wouldn't do it when el elders were around. You know, there were, I'm not saying we were good. We were perverse people as well. But nowadays, that's not the case. You, you go sit in a restaurant now and people have no conscience in, in what comes out of their mouths. You know, and the things they say, the world is becoming more and more perverse. It's always been perverse, but it's it's waxing worse. Right. But verse 25 tells us to let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the left or to the right or to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Again, all of this speaks of what? Being focused on something, right? Pondering the path of your feet, fixing your eyes straight ahead, being diligent about the way we live our lives, right? Being sure not to be of this world, being sure not to be feeding on the ugliness and all the bad news and everything that people put out there in the world and all of the lies, you know, that go on, that try to get you to be in fear. And there's a lot of that going on, too. A lot of stuff that people will say to try to get you to, to live in fear and not be trusting in the Lord. And man, I tell you, we, we're living in that big time. The lies are spreading around this world like crazy today. Okay, 2020, I call it the year of lies. All kind of things came up. Ah, go buy toilet paper. The world's going to be out of toilet paper. Go buy it. The world's not out of toilet paper. But what did everybody do? Go and buy toilet paper. Why? Because they saw it on Facebook. So everything's all out, you know. I mean, that's just one of the many lies that came about in 2020. But the world's full of lies. Satan is the father of lies. And he's the god of this age. But we are to take hold of the truth. Get instruction from the truth. Where do we find truth? The word of God is truth. And then we're to hold on to that instruction, okay, and not let it go. And as was the case with Saul, it all begins by committing yourself completely to Jesus. Go ahead and flip back to Acts chapter 9 now. Again, Paul's now, again, there I go, calling him Paul, but that's who he is, Saul, He's filled with the Spirit of the Lord. He's baptized. He's hanging around with other like-minded people, right? And then we're told in verse 20 <clears throat> that immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Now, if you'll remember from your readings of the four Gospels, when you've read the Gospel, hopefully, in your life, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the fact that Jesus was a son of God, boy, that caused chaos, right? The fact that he said he was, right, that was a big dispute. The religious Jews didn't want anything to do with hearing that that was indeed who Jesus really was. So they wanted to kill him for 
equating himself with God, right? They believed that he was born out of fornication and that they accused him of such. They thought poorly of Mary, his mother, in regards to how she became pregnant. And to think that she was pregnant as a result of the Spirit of God overshadowing her, like is the truth to, to the Jews, to their religion, that was blasphemous. And here we see Saul immediately after his conversion preaching that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God. And why was he doing this? Well, because his eyes were now open to the truth as a result of the Holy Spirit coming upon him. And then in verse 21, Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in D Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. So you see, folks, this was a very big deal. This man saw could be likened to an extreme modern-day terrorist. That's what he was like. He was full of hate. He thought that anyone that believed contrary to what he believed should be put to death. There's religions like that today, aren't there? If, you believe, if you're an infidel, they call it. If you're, you believe contrary to what they believe, you should be put to death. But Jesus came into the life of this man, and that changed everything, right? If he could reach Saul and use him for his glory, there isn't anything that he can't do in your heart today. The people were amazed at the change in Saul. Many people didn't believe him. Even many believers didn't believe that Saul was who he now appeared to be, a changed man. His former religious fellows were not happy at all about who he had now become in Christ. And verse 23 tells us, Now after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Now, I don't know if you've experienced this in your life or not, but I sure did. Sometimes there are people that don't like it when your life changes. E even if it's for good, your eternal good. A lot of people are cool with Jesus if he helps them to get what they want out of this life, right? That's why we have some doctrines today going around that, you know, say that's what Jesus is all about. You know, you being healthy and wealthy and such, right? People act like Jesus is their genie in a bottle or their homeboy, as they used to say, right? If he makes you healthy and wealthy, then they're all for him. But if it's about, if the gospel, if, about, if Jesus is about dying to yourself, taking up the cross, following him, if it's about shunning sin and walking in the path of righteousness, then many people don't want anything to do with that kind of Jesus. They don't want anything to do with that kind of life. And they'll begin to ridicule you if you take a stance for things like that. But biblically speaking, 
There is no other gospel than what is written in the pages of the Bible. Now, of course, there are people that pretend to use the Bible and maybe pick up a, pick a verse or two out of the Bible, and then they either ignore the rest of the scriptures or they twist those scriptures to say what they wanted to say. But as we see here was the case with Saul, it was all or nothing at all, right, when he came to Jesus. It was, it was giving your entire life to him to serve him, right? Now, with that being said, we know that today none of us have a calling like the Apostle Paul had, right? He, he and all the other apostles had very unique callings, and they also were gifted in very unique ways that we don't see today. Most of us will not die for our stance for Christ today. Not in America. Not yet. You know, and I say not yet because with all that's going on, as things are waxing worse and worse, with all we see going on in our government and such today, that might change in the future. But Saul here, uh, he was persecuted for his stance in Christ. None of us have that kind of calling in our lives like the Apostle Paul did. But Paul, and, and as a result, he had a rough road ahead of him. And the story continues. Then the disciples took him by night, verse 25. They led him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. That's why I've been telling you here, right? They, 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 were, weary, they were weary about this, right? This was a rough guy, Saul was, right? No one trusted him. In verse 25, we see where the disciples in Damascus that had had time to get to know him, they knew that it was well with him and they were helping him, but they didn't have any form of fast-spreading media in those days that we do. So a lot of the disciples up in Jerusalem were still very, you know, concerned about this Saul fellow, right? But Barnabas, in verse 27, it says, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So here along comes this guy Barnabas, right? He was, a, he was a good guy, right? And he stuck up for Saul. The name Barnabas, Barnabas means the son of consolation. You know, we read back in Acts chapter 4 uh, about Barnabas as well, didn't we? His real name was Joseph, but the other disciples called him Barnabas based on his character based on the type of person that he was. He was called the son of consolation because he was an encourager, very compassionate and, and sympathetic for others. And here we're seeing him going to bat for Saul, you know, in the face of the other disciples in Jerusalem, right? You know, there's always opportunity for us to be like Barnabas. Someone that comes alongside someone else when they're down. We could be that person as well. When someone's going through a hard time, we can just encourage them in what they're going through. Oftentimes, many people feel like they just don't know what to say when someone's going through a hard time. But sometimes just being there with people can make all the difference in the world. And sometimes we say it best when we say nothing at all. 
and we just let people know we care, right? But if you take the time to step up and encourage someone, the Spirit of the Lord will give you the words to say. And this is the kind of man that we see Barnabas was when we read the Scriptures. He was a giving man, a kind man, a good man. So now Saul is here in Jerusalem, and verse 28 says, so he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out, meaning he was just living his everyday life, coming in, going out, right? And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. So I told you, he had a rough road ahead of him. Around every corner, someone was looking to kill Saul. The Hellenists was a term that was given to Greek-speaking Jews. They were called the Hellenists. So these were the people... They were converted to Judaism, and now these men want to kill Saul as well, right? And then verse 30 says, When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. So Paul, it seems, had to go. He had to get while the getting was good, as they say, right? The Lord had a lot of work for Saul to do, and he would indeed be back again. We haven't seen the last of him here in the book of Acts, but we're going to not read about him for a while now. But it's interesting when you think about it, though. It seemed that the work of the Lord in and through this man Saul, this man Saul had just begun, right? He was bold. He was, as we would say today, he was on fire for the Lord. He was once a man of hatred himself, and now that he is filled with the Holy Spirit, he's filled with the love of God, so much so that he wants to lead others to Jesus, but now he's hated for doing so. And for his own safety and for the preservation of the future work that the Lord must do in his life, they sent him away. They said, you got to get out of here. Everybody's trying to kill you, right? The Bible will now speak nothing of Saul for over a period of time, period of many years. It's really not known the exact number of years that the book of Acts records a lack of information about Saul here. Some people say it's seven years goes by. Some people say it's 14 years goes by. Whatever, there's a period of time here, though, where we, we're not going to hear anything about Saul. It won't be long for us as we read our Bible. It's just going to be a couple more chapters. But what we have to realize when we're reading the book of Acts, this is, you know, this is a recording of history. And there's periods of time that goes by, right? But he, went, he, but he now went back to Tarsus, which was his city of birth. And the ministry activity of Saul in Tarsus is also not recorded in the pages of the Bible. Later, as we come to know of him as the Apostle Paul, we can read in some of his writings that there was some evidence that while he was in Tarsus, that he was indeed doing some things, possibly planting some churches and such, um, which would make total sense since he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Just because he's out of the picture in Jerusalem now doesn't mean the Lord's not working in him and through him. But we will read briefly about Saul again when we get to chapter 11 of the book of Acts. And then we will begin to read more about him in chapter 13, uh, which is where the first time he'll be referred to as Paul. But, you know, sometimes the will of the Lord, as I, re as I read this story about Saul here, I realize that sometimes the will of the Lord for our lives, 
is for us to not be where we think we should be, right? In other words, why wouldn't Saul just stay right there where he was doing what he was doing? But the Lord had a different plan for him, a different season of life. And we all go through seasons of life. We all go through a time and a purpose for everything under heaven, right? And, and we will find our most peace, the most peace in our lives when we're living in the confines of just trusting in the Lord with all of our hearts, no matter what happens in our lives, no matter the circumstances, no matter how we end up. You see, there is contentment when we rest in the Lord, right? And when we wait on the Lord, as we discussed in last week's study as well, Saul could have been bewildered as to why his life was on the path that it was. Many people say, oh, I come to the Lord and all of a sudden everything got worse for me. And that indeed does happen to people. All of a sudden it gets worse. Why? Because all hell's breaking loose against you. Satan doesn't like the fact that you've committed your life to the Lord. And he wants to distract you. And he wants to knock you off of your feet. But he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Right? And like I said, though, most of the body of Christ today don't have the kind of calling that the Apostle Paul did. We're not living in a time of persecution. Right? If you stand for the Word of God, though, you can be called a hater today. If you stand for certain things that are written in the Word of God, people in the world will call you a hater. But we have to do what Saul did, and that is we just need to press on in the faith. Come what may, we need to stay the course of faith. Now, speaking of seasons of life, verse 31 tells us here that then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. So now there was what we would call a good season for the body of Christ, the church. They were edified and they were multiplied, right? They were growing. And all of this was the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the believers. And we'll go ahead and we'll stop here with our study for the scriptures of the book of Acts, at least for today. And I'd like to give you a list, though, of what we've seen in the life of Saul after he came to Christ. And as I go over this list, I want you to kind of, in your own minds, have a little checklist, right, as to where you are in your walk with the Lord. Again, the Bible gives us instruction. We see how to live. That's why we study the scriptures the way we do. We study it and we say, what is the Lord speaking to us practically in our lives as to how we should live, right? So here's what we've seen as we've studied chapter 9 as it relates to Saul. Because now chapter 9 is in verse 32 is going to start speaking about Peter. And we're going to study for the next couple chapters about Peter. And we're going to go on about him now. right? But as it relates to Saul, here's what we've seen in chapter 9 alone. We, first of all, we saw that he met the Lord, right? He heard his voice. He heard the calling of the Lord to come unto him and to follow him and to serve him. That's the first thing we, we've seen about Saul here. Now, it may be different in our lives 
than it was in Saul's lives because none of us, like I said, have Saul's kind of calling, but nonetheless, we're all called to be disciples of Jesus. So again, he had this encounter with the Lord. And then we saw that he obeyed the voice of the Lord and began to walk in accordance with the will of the Lord for his life. And this would go on until the day of his death. That's to be the case with us as well, right? We're to come to the Lord, commit the Lord, commit to the Lord, obey the Lord, and walk with the Lord all the rest of the days of our lives until we're ultimately with him, right? We saw that Saul immediately became a man of prayer after meeting the Lord. He prayed, we saw, right? He was immediately baptized. He began to hang out with God's people like we talked about today. And he increased in his strength and in his knowledge of the Lord. And we also have seen that he began to testify of the Lord to others. So you see, this is the pattern that takes place in the life of a person that comes to faith in the Lord. Okay? Again, you might not be a bold evangelist. You might not be called to be a pastor or a Bible teacher. But all of us can testify of the Lord in our lives. All of us must first commit to Him and be baptized, to be people of prayer, to be obedient to the Lord, and to follow in His ways, right? You might not be persecuted for your faith, but you still must stand strong for the Lord. And, you know, and most likely... We'll never have to die for our faith. But we must be willing to stand firm and committed to the Lord, right? And if you know the Lord today, be sure of, like I just mentioned a couple minutes ago, that he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. You Maybe you're going through a dry spell. Maybe you're saying, Lord, why am I in the position that I'm in? Why is this happening in my life? Why are things falling apart around me? The Lord's not falling apart, and the Lord is with you, right? But we need to stay rooted and grounded in proper instruction. Stay rooted and grounded on the path of righteousness. We need to avoid the wickedness of this world like we read in Proverbs. We need to keep our eyes single, meaning keep them focused, pondering the path of our feet, right? And, and not kicking against the will of the Lord, he desires for us to have peace in our hearts. He desires for us to have godliness with contentment. But it all begins with committing our lives to him, like we've seen in the life of the apostle Paul to be. This is Saul here we've read about today, right? But it all begins with that, committing your life to Jesus, becoming a person of prayer, committing to Him your daily lives, telling others about Him, living completely for Him. All of us can do this to, some, to one extent or another. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Heavenly Father, again we thank You that we have Your Word. We thank You that You have not left us comfortless. You have not left us alone as we are people who walk by faith and not by sight. You've given us Your Holy Spirit. You've given us your living word. Your word that can go in and 
cut and, and, and do surgery on our hearts and instruct us and lead and guide us. But Lord, we need to lay hold of that instruction that we find in your word. And we need to not let go of it. And we need to keep our eyes focused on you, Lord. I pray, Lord, as we go into a new week, as a new week has begun, God, that we would honor you, that the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart would be acceptable in your sight and that we would shine as lights in this world, Lord, for your glory. Again, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word together. We just pray your will to be done in the rest of our day, in the rest of our week, and in the rest of our lives, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, whichever the case may be. If there's anything that we can do to help you spiritually, you can reach out to us. Go to our website, which is aloveoutreach.com, and you can fill out the contact form there, or you can email me directly, dave at aloveoutreach.com. God bless. We'll see you next time.